What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Ish, and welcome to this week's episode of the Ish Kadish Pod. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's been a minute since I've picked up the mic, but man, does it feel, to good, feel good to be back. So back. And one of the reasons why comes down to the NBA offseason being goaded. In this league, anything could truly happen, which makes this year's NBA script better than ever. Today, I welcome the founder of Sports Media Club at UW, Quint Leal, to talk about all things centered around the upcoming 2023-2024 season. Quint, how are we doing today? Appreciate the love, man. Thank you for having me again. I think this might be our fifth pod together, so we've been putting up some numbers, man, building up some data. Having, dude, I'm just excited to talk ball. Yeah, absolutely. It's always good to talk shop. We definitely got that chemistry already, and let's keep on building it, bro. Yes, sir. All right, so I'm going to jump right into these questions. Obviously, this offseason, we heard a lot about the French sensation, Victor Wembanyama. People saying that he was a bigger prospect than LeBron James, which is definitely a, a big shoe to fill. So I got to ask you, Quint, will Wemby rise to the occasion or crash and burn like other European bigs? <coughs> oh, <dude>. <laughs> <laughs> Andre Bargani, sorry. Bad call. Bad okay, call. okay, okay. I got some uh, some PTSD flashbacks with the Andrea Bargnani name as a Knicks fan. It was tough for him, but uh, Weminyama, this deserves like some in depth analysis right here. So we're talking about a seven five prospect that's super mobile, an insane defender, and can shoot the ball like some of the better point guards in the NBA. I think it's going to take time for him to really build up his offensive repertoire. So um, there's there's a few takes I have on this. Um, Draymond Green, um, on a podcast, awesome. he talked about the rim-protecting value that Wemby can bring, regardless of what his offensive game looks like. Shout-out Podcast P. Shout-out yeah. Podcast P. Yeah, dude, they're, they're doing some great stuff over there. I love these player pods. But my, my, uh, my high projection uh, for Wemby is I, I think there's a shot he'll be second-team all-defense as a rookie. I think of, of anybody, he's capable of it. Um, his defensive skill set, same wingspan mobility. Draymond said he, he, he's basically the most talented rim protector in the league, and that's something teams like, baseline. Um, I will say that um, it's going to be really competitive rookie of the year battle between him and Chet. And uh, just for some context, Wemby's coming into the league at like 19 years old, which is almost two or three years less developed than when Spurs greats Tim Duncan and David Robinson came into the fold. So I feel like we have to have some patience with Wemby. He doesn't have a great supporting cast. The man, the talent is there, and he's in a good ecosystem. So I'm seeing some positive stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You brought up a lot of good points. I think him getting drafted to San Antonio, which is a world-class organization, I mean, Popovich is one of the greatest coaches of all time. The statistics back it up. And he's also a Hall of Famer. Shout out, Pop. Class of 2023. Great Hall of Fame class. Flash. Dirk. Pop. Who's the other guy? Dude, I, they, I don't know. So I don't even know. Just a lot, a lot of greats. A lot of basketball oh, greats. Parker, oh, TP. Can't forget about TP. Um, it's, all, it's, just, it's so poetic that Tony Parker and Greg go into the Hall of Fame together. I mean, you can't write a better story than that. But going back to what you said about Wemby. I think he is going to be great, but he's going to go through some growing pains. But eventually, he's going to rise to the occasion because of his one-of-a-kind physical attributes and his incredible skill set. I mean, this dude is as tall as Boban. He's 7'4", 7'5", 
who even knows? He, you know, he did get a haircut. He used to rock that little fro. He got a haircut, so he's probably seven four now. Yeah. No longer seven five. Either way, he's one tall dude, and he has a wingspan of eight feet, which means he's gonna protect the rim, like his other French counterpart, Gobert. And most importantly, he's a three dimensional scorer. Yeah, I guess I guess I, I gotta say this. I guess Embiid didn't want to fight for that that starting center spot for France, so he chose to join USA. It's kind of a smart move. Yeah, I mean, it might have been a chestnut checkers move, but shout out to Embiid playing for USA in honor of his son. Like, I, I got nothing but respect for that. I like that story. Embiid usually don't agree with the guy, but I think I think this is a good decision because he's going to be part of the second coming of the dream team. Which yeah, I mean, I mean, the lay Avengers are being assembled, but regardless of that, let me, t- let me keep talking about the French sensation <laughs> yeah, here. I think it's going to take a bit of time for him to adjust to the pace and physicality of the NBA, especially since he has a target on his back with a lot of analysts denoting him as the greatest prospect in NBA history. But once he figures it out, I think it's the sky is truly the limit for the kid. It's going to be interesting to see where San Antonio ends up placing in the West come playoff time, especially they have like a lot of young prospects in Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell. But if Wemby can figure it out, oh, man. Like Giannis once said, watch out for that French kid. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so now that we've talked about Wemby a little bit, I think we should get into some of the rest of the draft, uh, some of the rest of the draft prospects, as well as what this Rookie of the Year race is going to look like. So for me, I think it's going to be a lot more competitive than people think. Between Victor and Chet Holmgren, I think it's going to be really competitive. They have very similar player archetypes, like this new KD type type of guys, where they're insanely tall, insanely skilled and are kind of like bringing that idea of a stretch four to the stretch five kind of kind of move. Um, I feel like Chet, dude, he's been working this offseason since, uh, since that unfortunate injury. I think he's been cooking a little bit. And we have Scoot Henderson in the fold. Um, so much talent. The Thompson twins. What are your thoughts on this rookie of the year race? Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's definitely going to be more competitive than it, than it is. I think a lot of casual NBA fans think it's just going to be Wemby, clear-cut winner. But guys like us who know ball know that ain't the case. Um, I really think it is going to come down, though, to Wemby, Chet Holmgren, and Scoot. I'm really excited to see Scoot play, especially with Dame leaving that organization and going to Milwaukee. I mean, Scoot's really going to have the keys to the car on offense. And I'm really excited to see what this kid can do because he's a special talent. He could drive to the rim like John Wall, and he's also a really solid shooter. Not a great three-point shooter, but a really solid mid-range shooter. He's an amazing shot creator. I mean, you're, I mean, if you're averaging 16.5 points and 6.8 assists in the G League straight out of high school, you got to be somewhat good. I think in that offense, Chauncey Billups is going to give him full reign. I'm really excited to see what he can do alongside Anthony Simons yeah. and Jeremy Grant, too. I know he got overpaid this summer. I understand, but he's a really good talent. He's a two-way player. I'm excited to see what Portland could do. They, they have Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams. I mean, I don't know if they're going to make any noise, but I still think they could be a solid team. And if they end up being horrible at the deadline, they could chip off Williams and Brogdon for more draft capital. See, see, I just got to say, I want to see Robert Williams go to the Warriors. I feel like that would be a, like a big move or like Brogdon of the Clippers. But especially like I, I could just that's what the Warriors need. And I feel like that's a piece that they can take away. I'm curious what the what the Trailblazers timeline looks like because they got so many young players. They're kind of building like an OKC 2.0, getting all this draft capital. Like they can flip Brogdon and whoever and, and get get even more. So 
It'll be very competitive there. Curious who's going to take the most of the touches. It's a lot of young talent. Um, with who's that guy who just like jumps out the gym? Um, oh, Shaden Sharp. Yeah, and he can get buckets too. Like Dude. if you've watched him play, I mean, I'm I'm a big proponent of the podcast P podcast. I mean, obviously way off P. I've heard all the nicknames, but Paul George is an incredible talent. One of the best two way players. Yeah, shout out Brandon Miller. Yeah. Uh, one of the best two way players of my generation. They were ta- him and Draymond were talking about Shaden Sharp. He's a guy that can not only jump out the gym, but he can score too and defend. A lot of young talent in Portland. I'm excited to see what they can do. They're not making any noise this year, though. Don't get that twisted. Yeah, I, we just we just touched on this a little bit, but uh, Brandon Miller. Listen, like I'm not, I haven't been so big on prospects that go to Charlotte over the last. Oh, how maybe the last few decades where Jordan's been in the front office. Hey, don't sleep on the Sagany <laughs> Diop, all right? He was an incredible talent. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I don't know about I don't know about all that, but now that Jordan's out of the mix, I feel like there's a little bit less ego in the front office. Those those type of decisions. I think Brandon Miller was the right pick, even though he got booed at the when he got drafted. Credit to Shams for uh <laughs> I guess changing uh um he, didn't he put out a tweet that said uh this, um, it was very likely that Scoot would be the second pick, and everybody was expecting that to happen. But it was there's some uh, there's an issue with that when it comes to sports betting and reporting, which that's that's a, that's some next level NBA talk. Sham's got the wrong script. He got the wrong script in the yeah, mail. Not his fault. Not his fault. Yeah, not his fault. Dude, Charlotte. Um, there's there's so many interesting things going on with rookies. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean it's an exciting year for the league. Obviously, Wembenyama is an amazing talent. He's headlining that rookie class, but there's so much talent within the league now and a lot of these rookies are going to have a lot of amazing opportunities so i'm excited to see what they can do with it um now to switch gears i hate to talk about those boys in la la land but i got to especially king james and his ongoing battle with father time can the lakers be a legit contender after getting swept by the nuggets shout out mike malone for like talking shit and um kind of going after la and not being afraid to like bring him down mike's a real one for that too bad brucey didn't come back though i really thought after his drunk rant at the parade saying brucey's gonna be back i thought brown was a lock but um he got that bag in indiana mad respect so yeah what are your thoughts on the lakers being a legit title contender listen i feel like we've had this conversation many a time and the people in espn have had this conversation many a time as well the los angeles lakers one of the you know the most esteemed franchises in all of the world of sports especially in L.A. They, they love the Lakers down there. Um, but in terms of their, are they contenders or pretenders, we really have to dive into what they did this offseason. So they signed Gabe Vincent, who is a sharpshooter for the Miami Heat all playoffs, arguably the conference, uh, the conference finals um, base MVP, just absolutely went off, was tearing up the Celtics, amazing play. They also added Jackson Hayes at the center position, this guy from uh, the Pelicans, who brings a lot of size, youth, physicality. They need all the physicality they can get at that center spot to, to guard guys like Giannis and especially Jokic, who gave them a lot of trouble last year. And re-signing uh, Rui Achimera, um and Austin Reeves, who I think was underpaid. He's put up some great numbers. I think both these guys are... Um, apparently, Rui's been in the lab with LeBron this offseason, and, dude, uh, he has some amazing two-way potential. He's a great shooter. I saw him create his own shot this playoffs. Like, he's a guy that I could see take a big jump. And they got, they got some, some young talent at that guard position. Man, I don't know. I, I think that uh, after franchising Anthony Davis, 
Um, you know, they, they have their priorities straight and they're going to contend. You know, they got a few more good years of Braun and dude, I'm excited to see what happens, but not so excited to hear them in every single ESPN headline for the next few months. Yeah, I mean, obviously T Swift and Coach Prime have been dominating the headlines, but once tip off happens on October twenty fourth, it's just gonna be King James and those boys in LA all day, every day. But before I dive into my answer, we need to address something, Quint. LeBron is entering year 21, where only five other players in NBA history have played that many seasons. This includes KG, Robert Parrish, Kevin Willis, Dirk Nowitzki, and Vince Carter. Besides Dirk, all those guys on that list averaged below five points in their 20th season. LeBron, on the other hand, became the NBA's all-time leading scorer and averaged a sensational 28.9 points, 8.3 rebounds, 6.8 assists, while shooting 50% from the field. And most importantly, Lay GM played an integral role in helping the Lakers make the playoffs after a 2-10 start. The fact that he's still a top 10 player in the league in year 21, being the oldest player in the league, oh goddamn, <laughs> it's unprecedented. The Lakers also had a great offseason, like you said, yeah. signing key role players like Gabe Vincent, Christian Wood, Cam Reddish, while also retaining Rui, Reeves, and Vando. And D'Lo as well. I'll oh, give D'Lo some credit. Yeah. However, the West is loaded with talent from top to bottom, with the Suns adding some firepower in Bradley Beal, the Warriors making a splash with CP3, while teams like the Kings and Nuggets still looking formidable. I've doubted LeBron in the past, and he's proven me wrong. I still think the Lakers can be title contenders if, and only if, if Anthony Davis becomes the number one guy and stays healthy, which will allow Braun to preserve himself throughout the season so he'll be ready for that playoff push, a.k.a. zero dark 30. Dude, I, yeah, I think the Lakers, they, man, I'll say this. The West is looking more competitive than ever at this point. Um, like, I feel like there's almost, like, four or five teams that are, like, all roughly the same level. I feel like you can almost – I think we'll have to break this down later, um, really into the tiers of who's a contender, a pretender. Um, but, yeah, dude, I, I think I think the, uh, the Lakers have set, have set themselves up pretty nicely. It's about which of these teams can stay healthy. Can Anthony Davis play more than 60 games, which I think he will. He's been putting a lot of work this offseason. I'm sure he's seen LeBron's doctor in Germany. That may have helped. And, um, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm excited. There's a lot of movement going, going on around the league, which we'll have to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And now I'm going to switch gears and talk about the NBA in-season tournament. So, Quint, I got to ask you, is this a splash for the league or is this a crash and burn? Dude, I, listen, I think a lot of people were hesitant about adding the play-in tournament a few years back, LeBron being one of them. And it turned out to be one of the best you know, additions to the NBA and its history. It really made watching the end of the season something to look forward to. The competitiveness of that elimination game heading into the playoffs just like, is like almost a pregame to just um, a pregame to the playoffs. And I think um, getting this this competitive tournament in the middle of the season will do will have a very similar effect. I think that it's going to um, increase viewership tremendously during that dull period. Um, that's, you know, that dull period um, in between the openers and uh, the Christmas Day games that a lot of people kind of lose interest in the NBA. I think it's going to be great for that. And I'm curious, like, how competitive it's going to be, what's at stake. But, man, that Final Four in Vegas sounds like it'll be something, uh, something worth watching. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I am on TikTok, unfortunately, and I did see a live video of you two playing in the sphere, and it actually looked like something out of a movie. Like, imagine watching Interstellar in the sphere. I think that would, in the words of the great Mike Korzemba, break the internet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, I definitely think this is an interesting thing that the NBA is doing as the tournament is meant to mimic the format of European soccer tournaments with a four-game group stage played in November, which will ultimately lead to a champion crown on December 9th. Even though the tournament will generate revenue for the league and spike viewership, I'll categorize it as a crash since players won't care as much about the money incentives given to each player. And ultimately, these guys want to be holding up the Larry OB in June, so they'll definitely be locked in on that. So obviously there are the pauses, but in terms – I'm looking at this from the player's perspective. I really don't think it's – totally worth their time like guys might still sit out even with the new rule i mean it'll be interesting to see obviously it's gonna be sick to see those games in the sphere i'm not gonna lie definitely tuned into that but yeah i think having a little bit of money in the line is definitely an incentive especially for those role players that are just trying to make money at the end of the bench i think if you're uh, on the team that wins a chip getting 500k per player that that'd be exciting you guys can uh i mean whoever wins can go out have a night on the town and you know, yeah, maybe throw that all on red. That's what I'm gonna yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull a little James Harden strip club action. Just buy everybody a drink. You know, <laughs> something, something of that nature. I, I think it'll be fun. Um, I'm curious if it's gonna stick. How the NBA is gonna market it. Um, but yeah, dude, there's, there's so many. Uh, the amount of parity in the league now is, is, is incredible. And the amount of events that just keep us entertained with the NBA is, it's, it's incredible. I feel like it's the, the sport that there's not really an off season. It's like you get like maybe a, a month after uh, the, the NBA Finals where it's a little bit dull, but then you get straight to the offseason, the trades. And then now we're back in it. Only two weeks left till the NBA opens up. Yeah, honestly, the NBA is truly the league that never sleeps. And speaking of a league that never sleeps and an offseason being goaded, Dame Tom is headed to Milwaukee, had his media day shoot the other day. It's, it's weird to see him in those threads, but... Damn, he looks good. So I got to ask you, with Dame going to Milwaukee, does that make them a clear favorite in the East? Okay, favorite is a strong word. We have to see how these guys play together, but there are a lot of indications that they will be a favorite or at the very least a contender that can seriously make a run at it and win something. Um, I, I think it's uh, – there's actually a Jimmy Hyroller YouTube video. Um, Shout out Jimmy Hyroller, man. That guy was the GOAT back in the day. Yeah, the, he actually – yeah. He's got some great visuals, some great storytelling. And um, for the Dame trade, he goes in depth on like – I don't think there's ever been – so there's basically – Dame averaged like 30 points per game last year. Same with Giannis. That's like having two players the previous year um, that are now teammates average that amount of points. It's unprecedented. I feel like uh, Milwaukee hasn't had a duo this good since Kareem and Oscar Robertson back in 71, which was an absolute all-time team, arguably a top five most dominant team of all time. And this, uh, I, I need to hear your takes on this. I think that uh, they're, having Giannis and Dame is like having off-branded versions of like Steph Curry and Shaq in terms of their dominance in the interior and perimeter. Putting these guys together... Man, I don't know how you're going to guard that as a defense. And, uh, man, it's, it's going to be trouble. What are your thoughts on them? 
Yeah, first off, thank God you said Steph and Shaq because if you said Shaq and Kobe, man, I would have been super upset because that duo is arguably the most dominant duo of all time, winning three chips. But yeah, I mean, really with this offense, it's truly going to be pick your poison because besides Steph Curry, the only other player that's truly a threat as soon as he crosses half court is Damian Lillard. I mean, his range is unbelievable. I mean, obviously... Jerry West is the logo, but people were calling Lillard logo Lillard, and it makes sense. I mean, the guy is an incredible shooter, just an absolute marksman and killer. See what he did to Denver? That, that one oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Oh, my gosh, man. Uh, this, like, I mean, one he of... had Austin Rivers praying to the man above. Y- That's how dominant Dame was, and they still lost <laughs> that game. Uh, yeah, unreal, man. Gl- glad he got out of Portland, but, like, that, uh, that series, if it's any uh, foreshadowing, he was playing against Jokic and the Nuggets. Mind you, they weren't at full strength. This isn't the same Denver Nuggets we're talking about. But, man, like Damian Lillard cooked him for like 55 points. I think he was like 13 of 18 from three and was just like unguardable. Now add Giannis to that, to that mix and, you know, add Jokic's, uh, to, add Jokic's guys in a MPJ and Jamal Murray. Like Jamal Murray, man, like – He's becoming almost like that Dame kind of player off the dribble. Um, seeing that matchup, man, I'm, I'm excited to see that in the regular season. But in the postseason, man, that's, that's something to behold. Yeah, absolutely. And um, going back to the Dame move to Milwaukee, I don't think it makes them a clear favorite in the East because I believe that they will still have to go through Boston. Obviously, Boston had a disappointing end of their season last year. Almost an unbelievable comeback being down 3-0. Shout out Derek White. And shout out for him shaving off the fro. Looks good with the bald head. He's in his MJ era. We got to let it happen, dude. I mean, he is. In this league today, he is the MJ of role players. He might be be averaging 30 a game. Like, Jason Tatum might be time to take the back seat. Give it to Derek White. Yeah. But seriously, though, the Celtics made some unbelievable offseason moves, not only trading for KP, but getting Drew Holiday, arguably the best defender at the guard position. And the fact that he's going to, he's staying in the East and going and teaming up with the Celtics, which has been one of the Bucks' biggest rivals over these past couple of years, especially during the Giannis era, it's really going to be exciting to see. Get your popcorn out because I think that's going to be the Easter Conference Final, and that's a tough team defensively and offensively because of their versatility. So I don't think the Bucks are a clear favorite, but, man, are they going to be box office. Great for the city of Milwaukee. Yeah, the Celtics, man, I, I think that's going to be so competitive. Um, I, I'll say this. When I first heard the news about Damian Lillard, um, I, MPJ was also first hearing the news about Damian Lillard. Um, and he was uh, preparing for this podcast uh, with these two with these two guys on TikTok. Uh, I, I got to give him a shout out at the end of the pod, but when I remember who they are. But MPJ essentially um, sees the trade while um, this is this is all on video. He he sees the trade. He hears about Dame, and he's curious about what's going on. And he's like, man, like that's gonna make them uh, like their problem. The Bucks' problem last year um, was that they couldn't shoot against Boston. You know, Giannis isn't much of a shot creator, but he dominates in other ways. And so now having that shot creator in Dame is something that will get him over the hump, which MPJ was kind of indicating. Man, I, I, think, I think they could end up seeing each other pretty soon. But uh, with Boston, man, they added uh, Drew Holiday, who's arguably the best perimeter defender in basketball. And Chris Saps Porzingis, who has been slept on a little bit because he's uh, had a few years in small market uh, Wizards. Washington Wizards haven't really done much there, but like he's been averaging about 20, almost like 20 and 10 
um, and just being a really solid um, interior defender, which we haven't, we didn't give him credit for because like a lot of people, casual fans, will remember Chris Stops from when he was like in his really early twenties, uh, really skinny, uh, really skinny frame on the Knicks, and you no, know, not many people have been paying attention to what he's done in Washington. So I think adding that piece is going to be big. I think losing Robert Williams is, is pretty big, like, and especially Grant Williams. I feel like those were two guys that really helped guarding Giannis, which is the guy you have to get through to win the East. Um, I'm curious to see how, how they will do at that position. But if you're Damian Lillard and you're going up against Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum as perimeter defenders, and Derek White, man, that's going to be tough. I think um, they're going to have to figure that out. And there's like a mystery coach that just joined the Bucks. Man, I don't even know the guy's name, but I'm sure there's a reason he was picked. And I'm sure Giannis had a had a reason for picking him because you know he might be uh, he might be in that that uh, late GM timing as well. I'm curious to see how this all unfolds. I think it'll be a learning process for both teams with these new pieces. And even the Warriors, man, like getting Chris Paul, like the the Warriors have had a turnover problem for so long. Because they just like to play free. And I think they can still play free. But having a Chris Paul guy who's a leadership, a basketball mind, like having him and Draymond in the same locker room, if they can like get their gears in sync and really game plan against people, I, I think they could do some special things. Um, I'm curious to see the development, the development of Kaminga. And like, I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on the CP3 trade? Yeah, um, definitely a shocker. But like I said, I mean... This league is full of surprises. I actually really like the move a lot. I hopefully if CP can, you know, take on that bench role and having one of the greatest point guards of all time running your bench squad and with guys like Kaminga, Moses Moody. I mean, this guy, I mean, CP obviously he gets a lot of hate and like the CP zero rings. I understand the memes. And to be honest with you, I've laughed at those memes, but like, Let's make no joke here. Chris Paul is arguably the greatest floor general of our generation. If he could take a backseat and run that second unit, I think Golden State could be a really dangerous team come playoff time. It'll be interesting to see what they will do in the playoffs because they do lack interior defense. Obviously, I'm a Draymond fan, and Kevon Looney fills his role in really well, but they do need a guy like Robert Williams to stop Jokic and AD, and those are the teams that they're going to have to play in order to get to the Larry O'Brien Trophy, who's so stop, who's gonna stop Jokic? Like, like well, no one can stop him, but like, only his only his horses can stop him. That's it. honestly, yeah. Like, if, if yeah, if there's a bigger horse race that's going on during playoff time, he may have to just go and take off. Like, yeah. I mean, he'll, just, he'll pull off a Dennis Rodman and go fight with Hulk Hogan. You know? Yeah, I mean? yeah. Instead of going to Vegas and you know hanging out with strippers, he's just gonna go to the stable and just you know yeah. help out his horses. But man, I'm like, I'm thinking about this. Like, Anthony Davis is an all-world defender and we saw a healthy version of him in that playoff series where the Nuggets swept them Jokic hitting insane Larry Bird type of shots averaging a 30-point triple-double all playoffs like I'm curious what the league is going to do to adjust to how good he's playing because this play style is something that he has every single box covered offensively as a passer a rebounder a score at all three levels like how are the teams going to scheme against him? Because that's really the question for these contenders. And that's why, in some ways, I can't get behind the Warriors right now because I just don't see anybody being able to, being able to hang with Jokic. They don't have size. And, dude, MPJ, he's a, he's, a he's a tall guy, man. He's almost 6'10". He's on that, he's on that KD archetype type of vibe. 
Um, which, man, that makes me want to talk about Keegan Murray. But uh, I'll just talk about that uh, when it's time to talk about the Kings. Yeah, I mean, obviously, one of the reasons why it's so hard to repeat in this league is because once you win, all your competitors are constantly figuring out how to beat you. And obviously, the Nuggets are a well-oiled machine. Mike Malone's an incredible coach. Jokic is the perfect offensive player. Murray's incredible offensively. And he really turns up his game when the lights are the brightest, just like Jimmy G Buckets. But I digress. I mean, obviously... The Nuggets are a formidable threat. They did lose some key role players in Bruce Brown and Jeff Green, but I still think they're going to be a, a absolute force in the West. It's interesting to see who they'll match up with in the Western Conference Finals because that's my pick for in the West for who's going to make it in the Western Conference Finals. Um, now that we kind of talked about all these teams, all the top dogs in the West and the East, I got to ask you, Quint, what are your Eastern Conference and Western Conference Final predictions? And who's ultimately going to be crowned as champion this year? Oh man, this is a this is a great question right here. So as as uh, ooh. so you were saying the the Nuggets right for the West? That was your take? Uh yeah, the Nuggets. Yeah, Nuggets. In the West, yeah. All right, all right, all right, yeah. So okay, so essentially for the Western Conference, I feel like there's um, so really the real contenders here is the Nuggets and Suns, um, and I think the Lakers can kind of squeeze into that as well. And then I, I would say that uh, there's looming dark horses in terms of the Sacramento Kings, L.A. Clippers. I honestly, I don't see the Warriors. I feel like they're more of a pretender this year. But then again, Kendrick, Person, Kendrick Perkins counted them out at one point, and that led to a, you know Steph Curry finals MVP. So I can't really fully get behind that. Yeah, you can never count out Steph. Yeah, you can. He's, he's one of the greats. Um, so I, I'm really thinking uh, it'll be Nuggets Suns again. I think we're going to see a very competitive series um, between the, either the Lakers and Clippers or Lakers and Suns, which I'm excited. Getting that KD versus LeBron action or the Kawhi, the return of Kawhi, man. There's so much to be like, so much that's, to, is, that's unfinished business for Kawhi Leonard. And Stephen A. Smith was getting on him about being injured, which I know it's unfortunate as a fan, at fans, we want to see uh, our star players play and just, you know, be able to get the most out of their careers. But, man, like, Kawhi's got some energy left in the tank. I think he's going to do something. Um, and, like, so I'm thinking uh, Nuggets versus Suns, and Nuggets will take it in six or seven games. And looking at the East, I feel like it's the easy pick to go Bucks versus Celtics. But I feel like there's legit dark horses in the Cleveland Cavaliers who are just, like, like you know, a little, a little boost in Evan Mobley um, to, to become, like, a serious team. And the Miami Heat, man, you can't count out Jimmy. I think that we're gonna see we're gonna see the Bucks and Nuggets playing the finals. And I, I, I said this I said this a few years back um, for my uh, hot takes from uh, last season, where I see the the Giannis versus Jokic rivalry to grow into something um, that is almost like what Larry and Magic did together in terms of how good they were and how they led franchises to multiple finals runs i think we'll see that they have different influences on the game so for like as far as uh, growing the game domestically larry uh larry bird magic johnson they really put the mb on the map there was problems in the 70s with drug addiction and this merger with the aba and nba it's trying to figure out the identity of the league um and they really solidified that getting people into it uh, through march madness and then bringing it to a really, really competitive big markets in the Celtics and Lakers. And although we're not talking about big markets right now with the Bucks and Nuggets, I think that Giannis 
and Jokic are, you know, they're going to be all-time greats, potentially top 10 all-time greats. Because right now they're on pace to be top 15. Uh, yeah, they are. They're that good. And, um, like, the, the sky is the limit for these two. And their presence um, for international basketball, what they're doing is, is really big. And I think we won't see the, the full results of that until a few years later, once the league is becoming very international. And, dude, expansion teams can come out anywhere. That's all I'm going to say. I got, I got some thoughts about that. But, man, Nuggets and Bucks, who's going to win? Man, ooh, I think for the narratives, I could very well see the Bucks winning it, even though I want the Nuggets to win it, because getting Dame his first ring, getting Giannis that revenge, man, he's been working this offseason, so... Yeah, I, th- I think it may pay off for the Bucks. Yeah, it's well said. You made up a lot of you made you you brought up a lot of valid points, and I love the comparison of Larry and Magic to Jokic and Giannis. It's a very interesting comparison, very unique, and it definitely holds some water. So I think in the West, I think the Nuggets are going to make the Western Conference Finals just because they're like a well-oiled machine. The chemistry is just on another level with that team, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but. I'm buying into that Hollywood hype. I think the Lakers are going to make the Western Conference Finals as well just because of the depth they've added this yeah. offseason and guys like Christian Wood and Gabe Vincent who have played in big moment games. I think in that series, I'm going to go with the Lakers. I got Lakers in six in that series just because versus the Nuggets. Just because I know I hate to go against Jokic because he truly is – an unstoppable force and arguably one of the greatest offensive centers of all time. But I think with the Lakers, it's they're They just have more depth. I think if AD stays healthy, he's really going to do some damage against Jokic and tire him out on both ends of the floor. Rui Hachimura is set to have like a, a quote unquote breakout season, meaning that he'll be a very formidable role player for the Lakers. If D'Lo can actually figure out how to put the biscuit in the basket, that'll be huge for them. AR-15 is going to do his thing. I mean, the Lakers just look really solid on paper, and I think they can translate it because LeBron is truly dialed in. And then in the East, Philly's a shit show. Let's just get that out of the way. Sorry, Philly. You guys aren't doing anything. As much as I love Jimmy Butler, he is the background of my phone case. Yes, if you have a problem with that, feel free to text me, 847-867-5316. But the thing about the Heat is they got older, they lost key role players in Struess and Gabe, and they didn't really make any notable free agent signings. So I don't think they have enough firepower to beat teams like Milwaukee. Spolster was saying they had more depth, but I'm like, what are you talking about? Maybe like uh, uh, the the rookie they got, Jamie uh, Hawkins or whatever. Yeah, Jaime Hawkins. Yeah, I mean – Obviously, Eric Spolster is arguably one of the greatest coaches of our generation, but you got to say that at the press conference. I mean, that's part of Heat culture, too. I feel like if you didn't say that, Pat Riley was going to take him out back and shoot him in the head. I mean, honestly. honestly. But, yeah, so I think it's going to come down to the Bucks and the Celtics. And I got Celtics in seven because of their defensive versatility, better coaching, and just the amount of offensive threats they have compared to Milwaukee. Because I, I don't think guys like Pat Connaughton and Chris Middleton are really truly going to step up against Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum because that's who they're going to be matched up against. So I got the Celtics making the finals. And, oh, baby, is this script good. We got Lakers-Celtics in the finals. Oh, man. 
both tied at championship number 18. Whoever wins this is the all-time franchise leader in Larry O'Bees. And I'm going to go with the Lakers. Winning oh, wow. the fight. This pains me so it much like, to say it this. Sounds like a nightmare. Right this now. It, it, this pains me. me. Tell me it ain't so. Tell I know. I, I, so. I know. I know. But I'm going to go with the Lakers winning the finals just because I think they have a more dominant duo in LeBron and AD. I think guys like Rolf, like I think Austin Reeves, he's got some more experience under his belt and he's got no shortage of confidence. Really solid defender. I think he's going to be a really solid third option for that Lakers team. Interested to see what Vando could do because he's probably going to be mashed up with Jason Tatum. I think he's going to make life a little bit difficult on Jason because like if Thibel, exactly and honestly, if Andrew Wiggins made life difficult on Jason Tatum, I think Vando could do that as well. He's one of the best defenders in the league. Yeah, this, is a, this is a this is a very much improved Jason Tatum. I think he's, oh, it is it he's is in his, he's in his uh, All NBA first team era. I think he's going to be that way for at least the next few years. Man, like, I, I, he might be taking over that small forward position. I agree. I agree. I think Jason Tatum is one of the faces in the league. Definitely, arguably, a top five, top ten player in the league. But I think the Lakers have more experience, better depth. And most importantly, they got a better duo in LeBron and AD. Hey, so I got Lakers in seven. Hey, here's a plot line for you. So they're... That that Lakers take it. Listen, it hurts, but it's possible. Oh, it hurts me so much to say that. <laughs> I mean, that was so painful for me as a Bulls fan. I mean, but let's let's think about this, man. A young rookie, Jason Tatum, only 19 years old, dunks on LeBron James. The momentum is on his side. It's the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're a game away from beating them um, and going to their first finals. But LeBron answers, and his and his veteran his veteran um, leadership prevails. That was like four or five years ago. I think Tatum now, with years under the belt of developing, crafting his game, even changing his diet, like these things are adding up to, his, to him making his own mark in NBA history this year. So to see those two powers go head-to-head, chasing for that, these all-time positionings as great small forwards, man, I mean, I, we got to see what happens. Popcorn's out. I'm ready. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be an absolute couch potato come playoff time, especially during the finals of its Lakers-Celtics. Can't write a, betch, a, a much better script than that. And honestly, with the way these rosters are looking, I really do think it's going to come down to Lakers-Celtics. Um, shout out Bulls, though. I hope Lonzo returns. I mean, that, that's a nightmare scenario, but that's a story for another day. Yeah, dude, this, this was exciting, man. Appreciate you having me on the pod. Always love to talk ball, and we're going to have a lot to talk about over these next couple months for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It was always great talking ball with you, Quint. That's all we got today, folks. Appreciate you for tuning in, and um, enjoy the rest of your Friday afternoon.